Welcome to episode 52 of The Ball Run, the official podcast for snooker professional Stuart Bingham. This Cogito PR produced content is produced by Q Creator, the experts in bespoke Q design. It's a show in which I, sports journalist James Colasanti, ask the man nicknamed Ball Run about recent results, life on tour, and life in general. Uh, good morning, mate. How are you today? Yeah, all good, thanks, James. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, mate. Yeah, not bad. Wish the um, cold weather had finally sod off, but um, yeah, I'm okay, thanks. Um, no. Listen, we'll dive uh, straight in with the snooker because you've had a busy start to the year. Uh, you've, your fans um, got to enjoy another um, stellar Masters from you this year uh, with a run to the semi-finals. Um, a 6-3 win over Kyron Wilson was followed by an irresistible display in a 6-0 whitewash of Sean Murphy. Uh, before a frustrating 6-1 defeat to eventual champion Judd Trump in the last four. Um, now, watching it, I mean, you seem to play most of the tournament with a smile on your face, as far as I can tell, which was great to see. Uh, but how would you sum up this year's Masters for you? Yeah, um, obviously going in it weren't obviously great. Um, obviously, just before Christmas, um, I got through in the Championship League final group. So I had a little bit of confidence, sort of say, before Christmas. So... Going into, obviously, a big match with Kyron, a uh, big tournament, I was a bit nervous um, and didn't really know what was going to what was gonna sort of, out, the outcome sort of thing. So, to sort of play like I did to go 5 me well, I think, we, what was it, with 300s, um, I was over the moon. Obviously, struggled to get over the line against Kyron, um, but obviously, eventually done it. And, uh, yeah, it was obviously good to get that first match obviously out of the way, come home, obviously practice the next day, sort of try to chill out. Uh, and then obviously the following day, go out and play Sean and play, yeah, unbelievable. Um, yeah, is it the best you've played since, since when, when, when did you think you were last in that kind of touch? I reckon it from the Masters in 2020. Right, uh, when you won it, it just that far Yeah, back. Wow. That, that last session, yeah. yeah. I sort of look back and obviously, like I say, I, I felt like I played really well. But when you sort of, when I've watched it back, there was like a few things that actually I f- like forgot. Right. Um, even though I played, I did play really well, um, but I, I did miss a few balls as well. Mm. So, um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, it, it was nice to know it's still in there somewhere. Um, so yeah, uh, obviously frustrating against Judd six one. It was frustrating, wasn't it? It just it wasn't a six-one yeah. match. I think we all felt that. I think you probably undoubtedly felt it yourself. It just it was just one of those. Not it was just like he, he, it was some good match play from from him, and it was but it was just frustrating from your point of view, wasn't it? That was it. Yeah, it just got to the end of the frames. Um, I think other than one or two, two or three frames, all the rest were all like on the last red or the colours, mm. and uh, obviously I come out second best on all of them. So um, yeah, it's just frustrating. It, it, like I say, I ain't played that well for long, and it may probably like I had the thoughts of maybe probably going on and winning it yeah. instead of just t- taking it next match where I ain't been in that situation for a while mm. uh, in in a big tournament like that. I think uh, I sort of it was a bit of rabbit in headlights a bit, and uh, sort of but you, you live and learn. So uh, yeah, obviously great tournament. It was it was good to go out there, like you say, play a smile on my face and and producing good snooker. Yeah. Um, it was a relatively quick turnaround. Uh, in mid-January, you were in Cheltenham for the World Grand Prix. Uh, you lost 4-0 against Ding Jindui, uh, who's in good form in that clash, and it you know, showed that by closing out with a, a 1-3-3 break. Um, was it just one of those days you couldn't really get going in one of those sort of blink-and-you-miss-it best-of-sevens? 
Yeah, it did feel like that. Um, the first two frames were massive. I, I had a chance uh, in both of them to to sort of win, and uh, yeah, just got a bit um, just got a bit jittery at the end of the frame again. Um, so I, I was I was behind, had a chance to uh, to sort of clear up, and uh, I think I missed an easy black in one of the frames to go up for the last red. Uh, Those all there, and yeah, it's just obviously um, just a bad day at the office. And then once you're two 0 down, he's eating to settle a bit, and uh, obviously four nil was four nil. Simple as that. Mm. And um, as I say, it was a busy January. In, in in late January, you made history at the uh, at Snooker Shootout. Yeah, you know where this is going, obviously. Um, uh, Rianne Evans beat you uh, 68 to become the first woman to win a uh, match in the one-frame Snooker Shootout. Um, uh, well done to Rianne, of course. Um, I was working that night on a sports desk. I was keeping one eye on it. I know there was a, a couple of reds. I'm sure you wouldn't have minded having a, another go at Um but what did you make of the coverage? And I and I guess related to that, the, the progress women continue to make on the tour in general. Yeah, obviously, great for for Rianne, uh, and like I say, ladies sport, uh, ladies snooker. So uh, it's obviously getting stronger and stronger. But um, the coverage, yeah, it seemed um, it, sort of the first day. I remember watching it at home, mm. and it just didn't feel like it. Just weren't as lively as 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 it, as it has been. Yeah. Um, even even my match, it weren't great. I think, it, say, being midweek, when, when we used to go to Blackpool and even Watford, it was over the weekends and obviously people were a bit more lively at the weekends and I think that was maybe probably the biggest biggest um, sort of scenario of it all. Um, obviously, the fin- final day being on a Friday, it seemed a bit more sort of like hectic and a bit more vocal, the crowd. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what you need. You need the buzz, and it just didn't. Like I say, obviously, I, I, I didn't perform well, and obviously got beat. But it just didn't feel right there mm. uh, for some reason. But um, yeah, say uh, it, it's it, you got to take it for what it is. It's it's a sort of a quick frame of snooker, and, and anything can happen. And uh, obviously, it, it did that night. It's a strange beast to shoot out, isn't it? I remember those early ones and the kind of crackling crowd and the kind of raucous nature, and it was a lot of fun and all that kind of stuff. But it, you know, and then you know the sort of ranking element that was brought in and all that kind of stuff. It, it just still still seems like it's trying to sort of find its feet and work out what it is. Would you agree with that? Uh, no, I think I think it, people do like you say. It, a load of people don't agree. It should be a ranking event. Um, but it does make sort of stars. Obviously, Chris Wakelin for winning it. Yeah. Um, he's obviously now boosted sort of his rankings, um, and then he obviously he done all right in the German Masters. Obviously, straight after, so yeah. it can it can do wonders for like the people that win it and things like that. But uh, for being a ranking event, I think Joe Perry hit the nail on the head. Uh, there's different rules. So if you foul, you got white in hand. Yep. That ain't, that, that's where it should be rankings because it ain't the same rules as a sure. proper match. Yeah, yeah. So little things like that, like you say, people, it's um, it, sort of that, that's my probably the, the sort of when it comes down to it, or it, it may probably shouldn't be a ranking event. But mm. like you say, over the years, obviously it's made some players, and but it's cost players their tour card because they go yeah. on and win it, and then two years later they they're falling off the tour. Yeah. Um, it's happened a few times, so um, it obviously comes with a price winning it and obviously climbing the ranks, but mm. yeah, simple as that really. 
Um, now, obviously, we mentioned Rianne, and of course, talking of talented women, you like this link. Uh, we need to close the show out with a mention for your um, your good lady wife Michelle, um, who has a fundraising walk uh, coming up um, this spring. Um, I'll just read the details uh, she sent across. Um, she says the walk's on Sunday, uh, May the fourteenth. Um, the starting point is behind Lee on Sea Train Station, and the group will be walking along the seafront towards Shoebury Ness to the Halfway House Pub. Um, that's the halfway point and then it's back to leave for the finish line um, it's been done to raise money and awareness for people living with motor neurone disease uh, in Essex um, and she says that she's hoping to get the mayor along to uh, to start the walk um, you know, I know why this this is uh, obviously an issue that's close to your family's heart um, but can you tell us just a, a briefly a little bit about it and can you tell us I, I think you've done it before are you, are you going to be doing it again this year mate um, I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I'm, I'll be in Thailand at that time. Oh, I see. Um, You've got a, a reasonable excuse, I've, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a few exhibitions out there right. uh, in May, so I'm away. But uh, yeah, yeah, so it's been going on for, I think, about eight years or so. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's obviously a good, good occasion. Um, obviously, my father-in-law passed away with motor neurone disease, so it's all in aid of that. But mm. Michelle's obviously recently got on the board of uh, South East, I think it's South East Essex, mm. uh, on the motor neuron board. So she's helping, obviously, um, organising the walk uh, and, and a lot more fundraising. So obviously she um, sells Christmas puddings, obviously, over Christmas, yeah. Christmas cards, all, all to raise money. Um, so, yeah, she, she's uh, sort of getting off her arse and, and starting doing things. But, no, it's, like I say, it's all I'm not buying on that one. I'm definitely not yeah. buying on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, we've we actually like sort of after the season, we've got a few things um, for charity. We're doing the free peak challenge in June with some friends, uh, John and Tracy. Uh, we're doing uh, Ben Nevis Scaffold Pike and yeah. then Snowdonia, so uh, all in three days. Mate, you're so trying to hit that need... treadmill. I'm telling you, that's oh, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we know what we've got ourselves in for, yeah. but um, got a, 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 um, I think it's. 36 holes at golf, uh, prostate cancer. Right. With my mate John. Um, obviously, that I think that's April, early April. So, right. uh, we've got obviously that. So, yeah, a load of charity work, obviously, in the next couple, couple of months. But, uh, yeah, like I say, obviously, with uh, Michelle doing the motor neurone disease, it's a good day, good day out. So, you walk, walk um, from Leon C station behind that. Mm. All the way down to uh, the halfway house, I think, yeah. on the sort of Shoebury way. Yeah. And then back. So, yeah, you go past all the South End seafront, and uh, I'm sure they'll have a few buckets to um, try and get a few coins off people. Yeah. But always, always, like I say, over the years, everyone's been so sort of grateful and helpful and all that. So, it's all, it's all good for the charity. Yeah.